Hallelujah. Open up to John 15. I really can't go anywhere else. And uh, it's so important because I believe the only hope for our nation and the world is a real revival. And it's so easy to get discouraged and start getting off into programs and doing things that will get people to come. And, and there's a lot of good things that could be done, but it's just not the assignment we have been given. And if you're still here, <laughs> hello? Oh, there's some still here. Hallelujah. God put a hook in your jaw a long time ago to draw you into this revival. And it's not a, not a two week, yeah, you just invite an evangelist to come in and do meetings for two weeks and you got a revival, you know. No, that's not the kind we're after. We're after a real outpouring where the real fruit, the real fruit, the kind Jesus is talking about here in John 15 is manifested on the limbs, on the branches, plural. And not just one person. We went through several prophecies. He said it again and again. It's not going to be just through one person. This is Joel's army. I'm going to pour out, pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hello, flesh. Hello, branches. So, John 15, let's just read verses 1 through 5. I'm going to go through this fairly quick. This is really the same message as this morning, but the way that I had it laid out, unless he changes it again. <laughs> but I like how he did it this morning. I, I thought it went pretty well. I am the true vine. Of course, this is Jesus speaking, red letters in a red letter edition Bible. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine. Now get this. You are the branches. Say it, say that, say it like this. I am one of the branches. I am one of the branches. He is the vine. He is the vine. I am a branch. I am a branch. The fruit appears on me. The fruit appears on me. That's important. It may seem simplistic, but it's important. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same Bringeth forth much fruit. Say, say, much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So I wrote here, we are the branches. Now we includes all of us. Spirit, soul, and body. And actually Alan's message was alluding to that this morning. He kept referring to the inner man. Well, you're, you're, we, the real us, is more than just, we have, we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. We are more than any one of those things, okay? But let's, for right now, let's focus kind of on our body. Because without a body, you can't be a branch on planet Earth. That's why Jesus needs us. While he had his own body, he was the branch. And that was prophesied by one of the prophets in the Old Testament, that a branch would come out of the root of Jesse, I believe is the way it says. But anyway, so he was the branch, the only branch, during his lifetime on planet Earth. But now, the only physical body he has on planet Earth is us. So if there's going to be fruit, now this is important. This is a mindset change for me. If there's going to be fruit, it's got to appear on us or it's not going to appear. Is that, that clear enough? And when did you ever hear of God making any kind of tree with only one branch? There isn't any such tree. See, 
the, what he wants is many branches, many branches. We are the many branches around the world. All right, Jesus is the vine. It is his spirit that is the connection between heaven and earth. Or you could say the unseen realm and the seen realm. Or you could say the realm of the spirit and this, uh, the realm of the material. Every time I think about this, I can't help but see my grandfather's old ancient grapevine and that ancient vine coming up out of the ground. Well, I can't see below the ground. I, where is that coming from? I don't know. I can't see below the earth, you know. It's an unseen realm, yet I know for sure the life is coming through there. Well, it's so perfectly, you know, the realm of the Spirit, we can't see that realm, but that's where the power source is. It's that realm of the Spirit, the unseen realm. Jesus is the vine. He is the connection between that realm and this realm, but his that connection is made through us. And so here's a verse. You can just write these down or look them up later. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. See, this is why he says, Without me you can do nothing. This will not work for Muhammad. This will not work for Confucius. This will not work for the Buddhist. There's only one. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's only one spirit connection between that unseen realm and this realm. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you get born again, you become one. There's a conduit in you. <laughs> There's a conduit, a hose, <laughs> a connection, a pipe, a channel, <laughs> a portal. <laughs> All these words. There's a connection, though. And there's a flow, just like there's a flow from underground in my grand granddaddy's grapevine, there's a flow of life from that unseen realm through that vine into the seen realm, and then there's branches on that vine, and on those branches are the fruit. He perfectly described you. We are the branches, and it's on us that the fruit appears. Man. Hallelujah. Now, our body is important. More and more, I'm un for so long I was so mad about my body. My body was, is not saved. Have you figured that out yet? <laughs> My body will sin if I let it. It'll do, you know, it, it, well, it, give it a high of any kind, off any kind of drug. It thinks that's a good deal. We ought to do that again. Well, that's a body. See, I mean, it's not saved. It has no moral compass at all. It'll do whatever you let it do. But now I'm seeing more and more, dear Lord, no wonder. Here, I'll just read it. Our body is important because that is the literal vessel. Your body is the vessel on earth through which the life and the power flows. Once a person leaves the earth and no longer has a physical body, there is no vessel left which the life and power can flow through. So Jesus has no physical body on earth now except the church. While he had a human body on earth, the power flowed through that body. We see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But now the power must flow. Now the power must flow through our bodies. Well, how important now is the body? See, when I think about this now, immediately now, Romans 12.1 becomes so much more important. Now I'm beginning to understand what Paul was talking about. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now get this, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
Benny Hinn used to describe himself as a hose. He says, I'm a hose that God comes through to minister his blessing and healing to the people. And Dave went to several of Benny Hinn's meetings, and he discussed it with me afterwards. He said, big part of it has to do with the worship. He says, you know, at Benny Hinn's meetings, they worship for like an hour and a half, two hours before anything happens. But he says, I'm telling you right now, some things might would happen, but the level of miracles that happens at a Benny Hinn meeting would not happen if Benny Hinn was not there, physically there. He said, why? Because Benny Hinn has developed his relationship with God. He is a pipeline through which the Holy Spirit can flow. And he wouldn't necessarily have to lay hands on people, but his presence allowed the flow of the Holy Spirit. Same thing happened with Catherine Kuhlman. She would call out healings. Sometimes she'd lay hands on them. Sometimes she wouldn't lay hands on them. But she, she, her spirit, her person had developed to the place that the Holy Spirit could flow. So Benny would talk about himself. He'd say, my job is to make sure that the hose stays unplugged. I, I can't let it get it clogged up with dirt. I can't let it get clogged up with the world. I can't let it get clogged up with worry and fear and doubt. My job is to keep a clean hose that the Lord can flow through. I think that's pretty good. I think that's Romans 12.1. It really do. So now, Romans 12.1, I'm going to read it again. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, think about it. That is precisely what Jesus of Nazareth, I'm talking about the man, not, you know, I mean, we know he is God, don't write me no letters, but he laid down all of his privileges. What we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the man, Jesus of Nazareth, who is anointed by the Holy Ghost. Okay, what Romans 12:1 is exactly what Jesus of Nazareth did with his physical body on earth. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. Now, the truth that that's been ignored or lost or hidden from the church for generations is, what is the grace of God? The grace of God is that he has empowered us as believers to say no to sin the same way he did. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Stop. Who wants any other kind? I don't want any other kind. I want the kind that brings salvation. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us. This grace teaches us something. What does it teach us? Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That is the grace of God. And I'm as guilty as anybody else all those years that Dave would say, if you're still sinning, it's because you want to. And I'd go, no, I have to. No, it's because you want to. No, I have to. Puff, puff. That was just one of my sins. That's an obvious one, you know. Puff, puff, smoke, smoke. No, no, I can't quit. That's a lie. See, I'm not, I'm not believing the grace of God. I'm not believing the truth of what the Bible says. The truth is, if I have Christ, there's a line in a song, and it says, it's perfect. It says, holiness is Christ in me. There it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I found out that I could quit. I didn't have to keep sinning either. I was believing a lie the whole time. Thank God for the Holy Ghost that... Helps us with every lie that we believe. We, another word for that is called stronghold. <laughs> okay. 
So now this first level of purging, remember it says, if you, even if you're bearing fruit, the Father purges you so you can bear more fruit. The first level of purging in practically every believer's life is the purging away from sin. Adultery. I remember the first two weeks, dear Lord, after Sue and I got saved, dear Jesus. I mean, I'll talk about Gary and not Sue. You know, alcohol left. Uh, all those pornography magazines that I would, those days I know we had magazines. Okay? <laughs> I had stacks of them. It, all that had to go. I, I didn't want to hear dirty jokes anymore. I didn't want to tell dirty jokes anymore. It took him a while to clean up my language, but I was very aware of my language and the way that I talked before. I didn't have any desire to go to the bars. I didn't want to go to those bars anymore. didn't want to drink anymore. On and on and on. That's the first level of purging with anybody. Okay? How would Dave say it? Drinking, smoking, chewing, and going with the girls that are doing. Then he would say, drinking, smoking, and chewing. <laughs> so our mind wouldn't get in the gutter too far. But, anyway. but other things. I mean, Sue and I were not into adultery or, or anything, but if we had have been, that would be that would be something that would go. Anybody that really gets born again, Homer Betancourt, when he was teaching here one summer, talks about uh, I mean, he said he was a he was a fornicator. He was an adulterer, and before he got saved, plus other things. I mean, uh, it's a, he's already told it, so I wouldn't be telling out of school. But it's drug drug use and other things. He said, "My God!" In the first fifteen minutes, I knew that was wrong. After I got saved, I knew in the first fifteen minutes I couldn't live like that no more. Isn't that something? Okay, so that's the first level of purging. But see, but then there's deeper levels of purging. And I wrote down things like pride, selfish ambition, self-exaltation, envy, and so forth. You remember the disciples always asking, Jesus, who's going to be sitting on your right side and who's going to be sitting on your left side? Well, that's typical. That's for the non-born-again person. I want to be the best. I want you know, it's called selfish ambition. But you never re- one thing you never read about the disciples is any of them ever committing adultery. I, I never read about Peter getting drunk. <laughs> you know, they got purged to that. They still, with Peter, the main purgings that came later was religious, was doctrine. You know, that, like he had to convince Peter that the, that the Gentiles could be saved. He had to convince Peter that he could eat non-kosher food. Okay, so forth. But now the third purging, there's the third level of purging, and that's where we are for sure, comes the tearing down of strongholds. And how Dave said that, he said that is systems of thoughts empowered by emotions that do not agree with God. Okay? Say it again. Systems of thought empowered by emotions that do not agree with God. Well, there's lots and lots of those. One of, the, one of the examples of that would be Peter, a system of thought. No doubt, in, I am a Jew. I am a chosen person. Gentile, we are saved through the blood of Jesus, but these Gentiles cannot be saved, you know. Well, that's a system of thought empowered by emotions that did not agree with God. There's all kinds of things like that, okay? Now, we know how God purged Peter of that. And did you notice, though, that Peter was praying when it happened? <laughs> Clue phone, ring, ring. Clue phone. Peter was praying when God tore down a stronghold. 
clue phone. <laughs> this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. Well, what, what, that kind of devil comes not out? No, that kind of unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief is when you have a stronghold. You believe something that's empowered by emotion, because you really believe it, but it, it's not the truth. It doesn't agree with what God says. That, that is a stronghold. Okay? Now, let's talk about the healing flow for just a moment. I, I want you to keep this concept of you being a pipeline. Christ in you is a connection. There is, He is the vine that's come out of the unseen realm and connected up with you. You are connected. You're a branch. Okay? Now that life that flows through Him flows through you. Got that? Let's just talk about the healing flow. Uh, Mark sixteen eighteen, the last part of the verse. Believers, now not apostles, believers, the ones that believe the gospel that the apostles preached. He says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, that's not the only way God heals, but that's one way God heals. Why the hands? There is a flow. Out of your belly, out of your innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the Holy Spirit, who was not yet given because Christ was not yet glorified. But guess what? Christ has been glorified. The Holy Spirit has been given. He now lives in your belly. He lives in your inner being. He lives really in your new nature. No, that's not right. He lives in your inner man. That's how Alan would put it. It's more accurate. He lives in your inner man. Your inner man is the holy of holies, by the way. God created something holy on the inside of you. That's from Ephesians 4. How God created that new man righteous and holy from day one. Now, it's got to grow up. There's a lot of things to learn. But that righteous nature came from God, and God did it on purpose so he could put a place in you just like the holy of holies where God could live. Glory to God. Excuse me. About to have a running fit myself. It is better for you that I go away, he said. Now, the church hasn't believed that. The church at large has not believed that. If we believed it, we'd be seeing the signs and the wonders. We'd be seeing the fruit. Our job is to go from knowledge to believing. And that's exactly the season that he has us in right now. I want to be believed. I don't want you to just know it. I want you to believe it. Amen? And I'm in the same process with you, and I don't know anywhere else to go except the school of the Holy Ghost. He's the only one that's been sent. He's the only one that can take each of us by the hand and bring us into the fullness of what God has for us. Would to God there was a church and a pastor who could tell us that the way to that is just as sovereign as the cross itself. So why lay hands on the sick? Well, that's one way that the Holy Spirit can flow, but... What we're believing for is even more than that. We want him, we want to be so... There's that song. What's that girl's name? Tasha Cobb. And fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. I want to be overflowing. I want to be overflowing. Well, that's... I, we want to be like Peter where it so overflows. You just walk down the street and people get healed. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's talk about another flow. Go to Acts chapter 8. We'll just look at this for a moment. This is mainly so you can help share and help other people as they come on online with all of this. 
Now, the preface to this, Philip had gone down to Samaria and he had preached the gospel to them. And they paid attention because Philip operated in signs and wonders. But they heard the message. It says they believed and they were baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay? I'd call that saved. When you hear the gospel and you believe and you get baptized in the name of the Lord, I'm pretty sure that's called saved. Okay? But they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. So picking it up in Acts 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them. Now, get this. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. But doesn't that describe 99% of the church today? But anyway, then laid they their what? Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon, that's Simon the sorcerer, when he saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he tried to buy that gift. <laughs> he offered them money. But he saw, so he's watching. This person does not have the Holy Ghost. Here comes John. Lays his hands on them, prays, and that person is filled with the Holy Ghost. How did he know he was filled with the Holy Ghost? Doesn't tell you, but I'm thinking he heard him start speaking in tongues. Heard him start speaking in tongues. Here's Peter. He's got, he's got one of them over here. And they've been, they're saved. They've been baptized in the name of the Lord. Here comes Peter, lays his hands on them, prays. Pretty soon, that person is speaking with other tongues. It was something that he saw. It's something tangible. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? But there's a flow. Now, that's not the only way that it can be done. Again, I remind you of Cornelius' house. It stunned Peter. He wasn't even sure they could be saved. He just obeyed the instructions he got in the vision. So it says, if you read it in Acts chapter 11 where he's telling about it, he's basically saying, I was just beginning my message. <laughs> I just got started good. And it's like God couldn't wait. He'd been so waiting to get Gentiles saved and filled. He said the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. And they began speaking in tongues. I heard them the same. He gave them the same gift he gave us. Who am I to resist God? <laughs> well, hallelujah. More fruit. See, God's had us in this purging time, this time of fire. And it's, I'm sure it's different things with different people. You know, some people are dealing with fleshly things. Some people are dealing with pride issues. Some people are dealing with, I thought I knew my call. I found out I didn't know my call. Uh, Gary went through that. There was a time when I thought for sure I was going to be a pastor. I didn't know there was anything else hardly. I was raised to believe everything else had pretty much passed away. But the Holy Spirit redirected my whole life. He said, no, you're not. He's not. Exactly what he said was, he has not called you to pastor and he never will. How many of you think I'm going to start a church? <laughs> I'm not going to start a church. I'm not a pastor. I'm filling in for a pastor. That's coming back. Now, you can call me pastor all day long. It doesn't offend me or anything, but that doesn't make me one. You hang around a little bit, you'll find out I'm not one. <laughs> I have teacher's gifts, not a pastor's gifts. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it'll change your whole life. It, it can change your whole the whole direction of your life. Changed Peter's life, didn't it? One instruction from God. But what was he doing up on that roof? Let's see. What was he doing? Praying. Praying on the rooftop. 
Laying on of hands is one way. But again, don't try to put God in a box. Now, we are the branches. We've been going through this fire for quite a while now. Allowing our Father to purge us of sin. Listen. Now, my friend Dino was sitting over here. I'm not saying that for anything. Dino just got here. <laughs> Dino hasn't been here for 20 years, okay? Now, he's been listening. He's a, it's not like he's absolutely new at all. He's got a lot of scripture. You hang around him a little bit. But hey, he just got here. You know? How many of you know the Lord's going to leapfrog him? Bring him right in with, you know? Amen. He is going to do that. He's part of the vision. He, a hook got in his jaw. Go to Tulsa, you rascal. (laughs) It's got him here. See? All right. And the devil's been trying to run him off ever since. Welcome to, welcome to the prayer center. (laughs) The point of that is people start at all different levels. I'm not saying this just, but some people are still I dealt with cigarettes for how long? How many years for crying out loud before I finally got free of that? Let's give people some space and mercy, okay? But some people are still dealing with something like that. Some people are dealing with pride. Some people are still thinking they're an apostle when God's called them to be an usher. <laughs> Dad Hagen used to say, it's amazing how many prophets enroll at Rama and how many deacons graduate. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's finish. Go back to John 15. Let's finish here. John 15. Look at verses 7 and 8. Well, if, if you want to use your hoper, you know, he's been having us re-engage hope with everything that we're doing. Let's see this. Okay, do this for me. Massage your hoper just for me. Hope has to do with what you see. Faith has to do with your heart. What you believe, but hope has to do with what you see. Let's see this. John fifteen, seven and eight. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to believe that prayer will change us. In the same way that Peter prayed and God came and changed him and tore down a stronghold, replaced it with the truth. He's still doing that in all of us. One more. John, back up to John 14. Verses 13 and 14. Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, because he's been incorporating messages on hope, I've been taking those two verses, and we're just spending some time, usually early in the morning when it's quiet, don't get any phone calls early in the morning. And I'll just get out on the porch, maybe right around dawn, get my little fountain going out there and pray in tongues a while. But I try and see it because, see, the Father really is in us. I don't know how to visualize that. But I know Christ is in me. That is the gospel. The hope is Christ in me, the hope of glory. So I'll just sit there and I'll go, whatever I ask in your name, Lord, you promised. You would do it. Whatever I ask in your name, Lord, you said. Now, I'll read it out loud. 
You said you'd do it. Lord, I see myself asking, but you're the one that does it. And it's Christ in us and the Father in him. Yes, sir. An assignment I haven't finished yet, but I'm going to, I promise. (laughs) That prophecy that I read a couple of weeks ago, I have pruned the root back to the core that came through Pastor Bronk in 2018. And it's the one where it talks about every chair in this physical building. Every chair full. Every, every seat occupied. Standing room only around the walls. The altars filled with people getting saved, uh, returning back to the Lord, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. One section of the building over here, people will be getting healed. Another section of the building, people will be getting delivered, not only from alcohol and drugs, but from, I think, mental diseases like paranoia and schizophrenia and bipolar and things like that. Not, not always, but many times that's the devil. I've got to write that up. That's an assignment I have. Because if we don't, it's so easy to walk in and see what is and live in what is. If Abraham and Sarah had lived like that, it had been easy to keep looking at that empty crib that they'd been carrying around for decades. That's just the way it is. It's been easy to look in the mirror when you're 100 years old and your wife is 90. It'd be easy to just keep looking at what is and say, well, that's the way it's going to be. But that's not godly hope. Who against hope, they had to believe in hope. Well, God gave them a vision, and through that prophecy, he's given us a vision. I haven't written it up yet as a confession. I'm going to. But let's just practice right now. Just close your eyes. Massage your hoper before we do this. It's dry and crusty from (laughs) non-use. Limber it up a little bit. Limber it up. Dry and crusty hoper. We don't want that. Okay? Believe, you rascal. See this. See this. Father, say it with me. I see every chair filled. Father, I see the altars filled. Father, I see the altars filled. Filled with people getting saved. Filled with people getting saved. Filled with backsliders coming back to God. Filled with backsliders coming back to God. I see the altars filled with people getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I see the altars filled with people getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. Father, this place is so full. Father, this place is so full. Every chair is filled. Every chair is filled. There's standing room only around the walls. Lord, in one section of the building, people are getting healed. Lord, in one section of the building, people are getting healed. Blind eyes are seeing. Blind eyes are seeing. Deaf ears are hearing. Deaf ears are hearing. Lame people are walking. Lame people are walking. And many other such things. And many other such things. Every sickness and every disease are healed. Every sickness and every disease are healed. First time. First time. Every time. Every time. No exceptions. No exceptions. All of them, Lord. In another section, people are getting delivered. Alcoholics are being set free. Drug addicts are being set free. All manner of mental disease is being cured. Unclean devils are coming out. Demons are being cast out. Bipolar disease is gone. Paranoia is gone. gone. Schizophrenia is gone. gone. 
and many other such deliverances. In Jesus' name. Lord, that's what you promised. That's the hope you've given us. And we are fully persuaded that what you have promised, you are well able to perform. In Jesus' name. That is the truth. Amen. Amen. Well, we need to live in that until we see that better than we see this. Amen. Amen. All right, I could go on, but that's enough. Let's go ahead and do the confessions, which is... Now, it's one thing I learned years ago, because he taught me years ago. You can shorten the manifestation time if you will engage hope with your confession. And he even put a formula with it. It's in the face-to-face somewhere. I'd have to find it again. Four hours of godly hope, actually employing hope with your confession, is equivalent to four years, if I remember right, of mindless confession where there is no hope. That's pretty close, right? What a what a formula. Four years can be reduced to four hours. But I'm telling you, see, what we did there took what, a minute? Try doing that for four hours. It's like when he tried to get me walking the floor and confessing the word for four hours. But what a ratio. What if what if we could shorten it by imply by applying godly hope? So I just want to encourage you to do that. I'm trying to do that more myself. The following exhortations came during the times of confession. And we placed them here so you could enjoy them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Somebody right now is going, I've never spoken tongues, but I so want to speak right now. Say, Father, fill me. And he's going to fill you right where you are. Say, just say with me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And just allow Him to be in speaking. Just let those syllables come out of your mouth. It won't sound like mine. It won't sound like theirs. Everybody's different. Yours will probably be unique. It may sound Chinese. It may sound something else. It may sound like baby talk. It doesn't matter. But it's the Holy Spirit making intercession for you with words that you can't even come up with. But He knows the plan of God. Just release. <laughs> Fall. I see you just, all right, and you're just falling back in His arms and allowing Him to do it. Just let your mind let go of this and fall back in His arms and let Him speak through you. Just pray a few more minutes. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, fill them, fill them around the world, Lord. Touch them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Be filled in Jesus' name. There's a flow of the Spirit, even through the Internet, even coming right into where you are. Fill them, Lord, with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I keep hearing this verse. I know you know it by heart. But it's a, he's encouraging us tonight to go forward with what we know, with hope and confession. We might need to, if you don't have a copy of this to take home, it might be a time now to take these home. doesn't take a whole lot of time. And start doing these at home, seeing them and saying them. Because here's the verse. Have faith in God. Mark 11, 22 and 23. Have faith in God. For verily, truly, I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. Now listen. 
and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Father, we thank you. Say it with me. Father, we thank you. You have found the people that do not doubt in our heart. We believe that everything we say shall come to pass. We believe every word spoken in this place shall come to pass exactly as we said it. In the name of Jesus, we have faith in God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen.